Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Kintec footwear and orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Canuck Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire. Quality service you can trust. And 14 locations to serve you. A, uh, a lot of... Response coming in on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox with regards to the Connor Garland conversation. Uh, Connor Garland used to drag people into the fight and be a pest. Haven't seen any of that this year from an unsigned texter. Another one saying uh, both he and Besser should be traded. Give younger prospects a chance. I guess by young prospects, that would mean what Hoaglander and Pod Colson. Pod Colson, who was playing in the minors with yeah. the Coquitlam. With Coquitlam, <laughs> I just saw somebody texting Coquitlam, Justin Coquitlam. But yes, playing with the Abbotsford Canucks. Yeah, it it is sort of a um, the amount of extra forwards this team has is a little bit of a. Uh, it's a situation yeah. that they're going to have to deal with at some point. Do they have too many cute players, like uh, <laughs> Boudreaux mentioned? Uh, all right. Uh, we'll we'll uh, dive into that uh, as the show goes on. But uh, let's bring in our next guest. He is uh, color man for the Sportsnet broadcast, Canucks alumni. He is John Garrett. What's happening? Not much. Dan Murphy just walked by me, and uh, he instilled me with his knowledge. Yeah, really. <laughs> what knowledge is that murph doesn't know anything yeah exactly exactly <laughs> he he never gets to say a word when he has you and ian on anyway so <laughs> it's just another pretty face that's fair enough uh no no uh no disputes on that one so um <laughs> big night tonight uh you know we're, we're gonna see the hall of famers uh have have a little bit of uh an honoring uh before the game starts against florida roberto luongo going uh in, into the ring of honor next year as as well um you know, it's as uh, one of the one of the goalies of this uh, this franchise. You know, what what do you think about and what do you look back on with Roberto Luongo? Uh, his consistency, yeah, uh, more than anything else, his durability, uh, his work ethic. I've never seen a goalie work as hard in my life. Uh, pre-game, post-game, practices. Uh, the guys who played with Dominic Hasek said he was the same way. Uh, but I wasn't around that team to see Dominic Hasek. But uh, Roberto is just, uh, it was incredible. Uh, the stretching he would do before every game and uh, always away by himself and underneath. So it wasn't some of the goalies now. They go out and sit on the bench and do all the visualization thing and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Roberto would just, go about getting ready and, and be prepared. And uh, he really gave uh, the team a, a swagger. And I think that's the, that's the thing that uh, you, you bring in a goalie like Roberto and you give him the contract that he got and his dedication to the game and uh, all those games that they never blew a lead. And a lot of it had to do with Roberto Luongo and uh, Elaine Vigneault's record. Uh, and Al Lane was really good at adapting the way his style of play to the guys he had. And when they weren't really good up front, when the Sedins hadn't really hit their stride yet, uh, Roberto was the guy, and so they played defensive games. And, uh, they'd win a lot of those just because of Roberto. 
Yeah, and they certainly did. And, and as far as just what he accomplished, I, I know there's been a, a, a debate about uh, the Ring of Honor versus ha- going into the rafters and all that sort of stuff. Like, where do you come out on that? Like, do you, do you think he deserved to be in the rafters or do you think it makes sense to put him into the Ring of Honor, given that Kirk McLean is there as well? <laughs> well, uh, who was I listening to today? It might have been Bick talking about... Uh, and with Roberto, you could have number ones up the goalies always like to wear number one. Some it goes back to tradition. Oh yeah, I'm the number one goalie, so I wear number one. And uh, back in the old day, when uh, the go- the number one goalie would wear number one, the backup goalie would wear number thirty, and then the defensemen would all be two, three, four, five, six, and uh, then the best forwards would be the next numbers. Uh, to me, it's I like the idea of the number in the rafters but not retired. Like, don't retire the number. And some of the teams uh, retire the number. And I think you, you think of uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, the number 14. Who do you think of? You don't think of Miroslav Freacher. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Like, do no. the Habs even have a single-digit number uh, retired anymore? Like they, the, 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 the Yankees have so many numbers retired. You don't even, they can't even have a single-digit yeah. player anymore. You know, yeah, they're. I think the Yankees have twenty-seven numbers retired. And it's how, how do you pick? How do you pick a number? I, I think you're right. You know, if uh, if you if you reach a certain status as a player with with a franchise, people are people are going to remember you no matter what. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's why I think that yeah, you can put the sweater in the rafters and do all that and have the ceremony and do all that, but don't retire the number. You let whoever come up next, and if you have the nerve to wear, uh, you know, number ten, or uh, if you and you're paying, you're giving the guy honor. Well, oh, I'd love to wear that sweater. Yeah, give me a chance. Uh, if I let me wear number thirty-three, because I I just love to be like Henrik Sedin. Well, okay, you go out and try. And who's, who are people going to remember? Yeah. You're going to remember Henrik. So I, I, I think that with Roberto, look at his numbers. Most wins, most shutouts, most, it just goes, it makes sense to have his number up in the rafters. The Ring of Honor is nice, and I'm sure Roberto appreciates that. The only the only thing with Roberto, obviously, is the the different teams and the association with the Florida Panthers. And, uh, I'm sure the Florida franchise would like to do the same thing. Uh, now, Cheech, as far as the the game is concerned, we are going to see Thatcher Demko between the pipes against the Florida Panthers. And you know, as as far as how his game is trending, he did have a pretty good start against San Jose. A few you know bad bounces went against them. But how how do you think his game is trending? And do you think he's on the cusp of maybe putting together some good starts and reclaiming that starting job as his alone? I hope so. I hope so. But I I until he plays three good games in a row. I don't, I, I can't say that he's got it back yet. And it's all mental. It's all your confidence. And uh, like you say, the, the game in San Jose, he just guys off the sticks off, off a guy's shoulder and over his head and in. How often does that happen? Uh, that's just bad luck. And then tip in goals. And uh, I thought he was good. I thought he was good in that game. And so, uh, hopefully he can get it going 
with a win tonight, and then he'll play Saturday. If he wins tonight, for sure, he'll play Saturday and then carry on, and uh, hopefully he'll get it back. I, I, It is just a mental thing, but I haven't seen him play consistently well enough in consecutive games to say that, oh, he's got it back. Yeah, it felt like he was close. Like the uh, he played so well that LA game on the Friday. They come back on the Monday. Good first two periods against Vegas, and then it, it sort of came crumbling down in, in that third. Yeah, and it, it, you could t- just tell once it started to go south. Yeah, and the, it, it, getting back to Roberto Longo again, that was one of his main attributes. Was that uh, he never let the game start to go away from him. He never let it really, okay, you let in one, but they're not going to get another one within two or three minutes. And that's, that's just the goalie, okay, having the mindset that, oh, here we go again. And the Canucks at the start of the season, and I think part of it had to do with Thatcher, was uh, they'd have the two goal leads and they go into the third period and once it started to go backwards, then it was, oh, here we go again. And sure enough, it, once you get that mindset and you think the puck's going to go in instead of stay out, then you're in trouble. And I think that's where Thatcher was at the start of the year. And hopefully he's got that out of his mind. But Roberto just never seemed to have that. He, he, and you you look at the really elite guys over the years and uh, they all have Connor Hellebuck right now, in my opinion, is probably the most consistent goalie in the NHL right now. And he's got that mindset that you can tell, okay, it's, it's not getting away from us here. I'm going to make sure that it doesn't. And uh, that's what Roberto had. That's what the elite goaltenders, uh, Marty Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, uh, Eddie Bell for when he was in his prime, that, that kind of mentality that, okay, I expect to stop everything. Whereas the guys in the middle, it's, ooh, this one went in. Uh, what's going to happen on the next one? And instead of thinking, well, there's no way the next one's going in, it's, well, it might go in, and then sure enough, it does. Um, so the game against Washington, uh, everything kind of went south pretty quickly for the Canucks. Um and then Spencer Martin comes out after the game and, and sort of says, well, this one's, this one's on me. I, uh, I didn't make enough saves tonight um, when everybody is like, oh, they played pretty poorly in front of him. What, what do you make of Martin uh, you know, sort of bringing the blame on himself uh, after a loss like that? Well, I mean, I'm sure he's thinking the second goal. If he stops that second one, Washington's not pressing like they were. And the first one was a fluky uh, you know, Quinn Hughes makes a, a mistake because he didn't see Ovechkin coming in. Yeah. And, uh, it's chipped up and over, and it goes in. And, and then, But the second goal, you could tell from Spencer's reaction, it went through him. Yeah. And it, it was, we have the uh, stat thing, 88-mile-an-hour shot. A, a good shot, but not Ovi's hardest. And it went right through him. He was there, and it went right through him. And you could tell from his reaction that he didn't like that one. And then the third one goes in. And uh, the fourth one was a chip shot, that, uh, and he was so aggressive through most of the game. And then the fourth one goes in because he's back. And so I'm, sh- I'm sure he's thinking, 
he's analyzing it shot by shot rather than save by save. He uh, analyzing it goal by goal instead of the good saves that he made because the Canucks played one of their loosest games in a long time. And boy, did they give up some chances right away. First five minutes, the Capitals could have had two that they slid right through the crease. No, they, they really did. Now, uh, as far as looking at how this team has played overall and what kind of trend they're on, do we look at the last game as a blip because they won five out of the last six and they'll be better against Florida and the rest of this homestand and all that sort of stuff? Or are we not sure what we're going to expect here the next few games? No, I, I would think, and, and I'm looking at it as uh, it's an aberration, that uh, they were playing so well, and especially a guy like Elias That's That was his worst game of the year. Yeah. And he's been so consistent and so reliable. And he was, he looked lost out there. Uh, Kyle Burrows, who comes in and usually plays a, a real sound game, he might get beat a couple of times, but he, he mentally he usually plays a real sound game. Well, the one goal, the guy's wide open in front of the net because Kyle's chasing behind, and he's got no chance. And normally he would just go and plant himself in front and uh, make sure that the danger area is covered. And instead it's a a bang-bang play with the guy, nobody else in the picture except him. And I think it was the third goal. It probably was the third goal. But that, to me, is just, it's the first game back, and uh, I know Bick was talking to uh, Priestley about first game back from a road trip. And it, you don't have that extra day off, uh, especially once you get in close to December. And you, there's so many distractions when you get back home again. Mm-hmm. You've got your wife is, oh, we got to do Christmas shopping. Oh, we got to do lights. Oh, we got to get the kids ready. There's a, a million things going on the first day back when you're come back from a road trip and you get distracted and you, you lose your concentration. And then that first game back is usually a challenge. And uh, I know that your professional athletes and your coaches and everything said, well, come on, you know, let's keep it going. We had a great road trip. We beat two really good teams, uh, back to back short stay, you know, a, a really productive road trip. But then you just mentally, <laughs> you get sidetracked because of all the, real-life situations that face you after a road trip. John Garrett, our guest. So uh, Brock Besser uh, may or may not be bumped up to the uh, the top line tonight. Um, it's It's been a tough go for him this season. He's had some points. He's been on for uh, quite a few goals against uh, by the numbers as well. So it's just been it's just been tough. He hasn't seemed to find, fa- find a rhythm. And, and we can tell when Brock is on. We can tell when he's not. Uh, we just haven't seen the best of Brock Besser yet this year. No, I agree. I agree, and uh, naturally, he's such a nice guy, and you'd like to see him do well, And uh, but he hasn't been able to get himself into shooting positions. He he hasn't had really consistent line mates to get the rhythm going and to get the chemistry going, uh, but I'm, you ask Brock, I'm sure he'd say that it's he has to be responsible for Get the shots. Get the shots on net. Make sure you're a shooter. Make sure you shoot. Look at look at Bo this year. He leads the team in shots, or he tied with Elias. I, I think he leads the team in shots. Yeah. But he hits the net. He he just make the goal. He make the save. You got a chance to go in. 
Come on. Uh, let me ask you about Connor Garland and his game overall. What do you think of where his game's at? Because a coach, well, he, he never seems too enamored with Connor Garland. There's Randy Moeller coming in here, <laughs> a famous broadcaster of the Florida Panthers, uh, the Rocky Balboa of Southern Florida, Randy Moeller, a former teammate of mine with the Quebec Nordiques. He, he was just out of junior. He was just a kid. I taught him everything I knew. <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah. Certainly sounds like See, it. you guys should be at the rink. And instead, you're in the. Of course, you oh, have you, the. You can watch us do the pregame show. You have the live pregame show. Yeah, yes. we have pregame. Yes. Yeah. So on Connor Garland, yeah. before we let you go. Connor Garland. Yes. And again, he's he's another guy that has had trouble to uh, find the right chemistry with any line mates. And how many lines has he played on? Yeah. And the way he plays, you would hope he'd be in your top six. You'd hope he'd be able to produce more than he's produced. But until he finds that, until you, I, his confidence is way down too. And, and you can tell uh, yeah. when he has a chance to drive to the net and he button hooks and then uh, negates a good scoring chance by going to the corner and uh, wait, 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 instead of going to the net. And I, I think that's one of the things when you watch Connor play is uh, when he has that opportunity, he has to, has to take it. And uh, he hasn't been able to do that. Cheech, you're the best. We'll see you later. Yes, I can hardly wait till the pregame show. Oh, there's a football game on tonight, too, though. And then, uh, well, oh. okay. I, I know you're watching World Cup reruns. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Cheech. How many points did Ken? Oh, no, uh, I'm not. Oh, gonna... stop no. it. Okay. We're, we're happy to be here. Come I know. On. I know. Dan, I, I was listening to Dan, and his ultimate goal was for Canada to score one goal. Boy, you set the bar pretty high there, Dan. <laughs> yeah, okay. You go to the World Cup, yeah. Oh, they got a goal. They got a goal. They wow. did. And they wow. got one. How to go, Dan? I, I will they say two. My, they got two. My happy to be here sentiment really changed once the games actually started, though. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but then there's the big debate on the uh second goal. Really get two. No. Eh. Well, they, they they have two goals credited to their team. They yeah. do. Yeah, there you go. Tree falls in the forest. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Thanks, Cheech. Talk to you later. There he is. Uh, The absolute best. Absolute legend, John Garrett. I will say, uh, valiant effort, of course. Guys have worked hard and everything. Team Canada. But it does suck when you look at the groups, and it's like two teams, zero points. Qatar, which was the worst worst host nation ever in World Cup in terms, of, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. like, we weren't there to talk about what happened. I don't know if people weren't happy with uh, how it was handled and all that sort of stuff. But as far as just how a host nation fared at a World Cup in the matches, yeah, it was the worst performance by a home nation ever at a World Cup. And mm-hmm. Canada, South was, Africa in 2010 got a result. Yeah, they got a result. Canada uh, also had no result, <laughs> zero, zero. Like I told you for the World Cup, I'm like, hey, I'd love to see them qualify. I don't think it's going to be easy. Belgium with Croatia. I think they have a chance. Neither of us love Belgium. But it was like, get a result. You got to get a result. To me, the bar was a result, and they failed to hit the bar. So uh, I, I, I had a lot of thoughts um, on a kick in the grass this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check it out on podcast. Uh, subscribe, please. Uh, we're we're going to continue going through uh, the World Cup on Saturdays. But follow along on, on, the, on the podcast. It's, um, as I just said with Cheech, my... Uh, my happy to be here sentiment as a Canadian soccer fan changed very quickly. <laughs> when Australia is moving through to the round of 16, when Japan has just won two games against Spain and Germany, when the U.S. gets through pretty comfortably and looks good in all of their matches, a team you finished ahead of in qualifying, 
Mexico had a cracker. Mexico had a win. Costa Rica had a win. Mex- Everybody had a win Mexico except had, Canada. Mexico had four points, and, and that last match they played? They should have won. They oh. should have went through. So, yeah, when you compare it to other teams, Canada should have done better. Yes. And they are not without criticism as to how they handled these matches. I think the honeymoon period for John Herdman lasted four years stopped as of this tournament and there's fair criticism to be had there with some of his team selection and his tactical choices going into each match so yes uh, there is an element of happy to be here and this is still at the end of the day was about getting the experience and getting more prepared for 2026 I get all that but they left some points mm-hmm. on the table. Yes. And it's impossible to deny that. Yeah. And I know somebody texted in and said, realistically, we had such a tough group on Lucky. It wasn't an easy group, but Belgium was right for the picking. And I know Morocco played well, but Morocco wasn't that. Morocco got through because they beat Canada and Belgium. Yeah. And Belgium was right for the picking. Yeah. You know? Uh, the second half was all Canada, you know? And, and the two goals they allowed... <laughs> Oh, man. The one goal is just okay. a gift yeah. from the heavens. Okay. The second one is uh, also a gift from the heavens. I you shouldn't I'm... have one ball come from the other team's own half, yeah. and, and it just t- totally takes out your defense. Did any one player struggle more than Broyan, though? Mm. Maybe Jonathan play? David. Maybe David? Those were the two. Those are the two. And it sucks when your goalie does. Yeah. I mean, he had, And he, one of your superstars. Like, like bro- your goalkeeper and one of your superstars really struggled. There wasn't a tournament. single goal that was scored against him that you said didn't have a chance. Yeah. Not to say he should have saved them all, but he probably should have saved at least two. Yeah. At least. And then one was a got howler. Beat, got beat on his short po- uh, on on the near post today. Yeah. Never like to see that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I have bigger thoughts. They didn't uh, wear sweatpants. Too hot for sweatpants. <laughs> you can't trust the guy. Can only play in sweatpants. Uh, the sweatpants. They brought magic. You know, they made a magisterial. Yeah, when you're playing in in the cold, then it's great. <laughs> when you're playing in the in heat Edmonton. when you're when you're playing in an air conditioned stadium. Maybe maybe not as great. Uh, all right. Uh, my full thoughts uh, on a kick in the grass, and uh, I'll be back on Saturday talking about the rest of the tournament. Uh, all right, so coming up, we're going to continue in on uh, your Vancouver Canucks. Some interesting thoughts from Bruce Boudreau today on structure versus just flat-out winning puck battles. Does it maybe give a hint towards some of the philosophy mm. differences between and front office, or is it just the reality of the game? That's coming up next on Canuck Central.